0: this meal that we partook of earlier when Jesus gathered in that upper room there was a man at that table named Judas and he looked Judas in the face and he said this is my body which is broken for you because there's nothing too dirty there's nothing too dirty that I can't make worthy and Jesus freely gave to Judas yet Judas made a decision later on. Today if you feel unworthy join the club. If your goal is to feel worthy, you're not going to get there. Because we believe we, we, we believe in salvation and we believe in sanctification, but we also believe in this, this other thing that we call glorification. And what that means is that we can't fully embody and be like Christ until we see Him face to face in glory. So on the days where you just fall short and it's annoying, there's nothing to you. And, and on the days that you feel unworthy... This is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which is shed for you of this new covenant. This new covenant which means, hey, there's no guilt here because your sacrifice wasn't enough. But this new covenant that says, just give me your all. Give me all you got. And I will make you. Well, I've got a sermon behind me on spiritual gifts, and I think we need to go there. But man, I, I want to ask, but I don't want you to be honest, if, if you've made a New Year's resolution that you've already broken, we're eight days in, and anybody want to confess to that? Um, well, I think this is a time of year where we can get, we, we can feel unworthy because we've set this goal and then we fall short very soon. In fact, I was embracing kind of one of my resolutions and yesterday and I said, "Man, it's kind of busy here." And the girl that I was talking to said, "Oh, give it 3 weeks." She said, "It won't be busy in 3 weeks." Everybody just signs up and comes for the first couple weeks of the year and then they give up. We'll never be worthy. Well, I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Spiritual gifts kind of listed in several spots throughout the Old Testament. In fact, I was going to preach Ephesians chapter 4 today, um, but I preached it a a little over a year ago, and we talked about this. And and, uh, I asked Pastor Trevor, I said, Do you remember my sermon series in Ephesians? And he said, Oh, absolutely, every single word. So if you're a vivid note taker, look back about a year ago to our Ephesians chapter 4 sermon uh, as we worked through the book of Ephesians. But today I wanted to, to take Paul's, t- Paul's word on this from a, another angle. And uh, as you flip there, I kind of have something funny but, but serious at the same time. So tomorrow night there's a big football game and a lot of you are excited about it. Georgia's playing for the national championship, you know, big, big deal. And I've had a couple people last week as they were going into the semifinals and, and into this week uh, going into the national championship that, that said, Ryan, can we pray for the dogs on Sunday? How, how do you think God feels about that? Well, I, I was reminded this week through if, if you saw what happened in the, in the Monday night football game where they had a player just go into cardiac arrest and go down, that the world didn't know what to do but to pray. And by no means do I want anybody to go into cardiac arrest tomorrow night during this national championship game. But I just pray that something would happen with millions and millions of people watching that would point them to Jesus. You know, whether, even if it's a player after the game, giving glory to God... So many people are going to tune in. A lot of us are crazy and we're going to stay up till midnight on a work night to see if the dogs can pull it out. But man, let's just pray that tomorrow night that God will be glorified. Because <laughs> God was glorified in a Monday night football game this week that nobody ever anticipated. Well, I'm, that's the third sermon today. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I invite you to stand uh, as we read this morning in reverence to the word of the Lord. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues and. St- and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. This is the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. You can be seated. Well, this morning and next Sunday, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. And then on January 22nd, that's two weeks from today, we're going to have a ministry fair on Sunday morning. Uh, we we 're going to give opportunities for you to plug in to look at your spiritual gifts and say, "Man, how could I use these in the church or in the service of the church and and if you 're a ministry leader, double check your email. You should have an email from me um, about that and um, and so that day we 'll hear from every ministry of the church from from Sunday school to the thrift store to women 's ministry to kids ministry to teens to about what, what needs, worship, what needs are there, and how can you engage with your spiritual gifts. Because I think a lot of times we, we might kind of know what our spiritual gifts are, but we don't know how to plug them in. If you have, how many of you have taken a spiritual gifts inventory, test, survey, whatever you want to call it before? Um, if you haven't, you can Google them. There's a lots of good ones available on Google. I found a really good one through the Methodist Church that if you don't do technology, I could print it for you and it lets you score yourself at the end. Um, and these tests, these tests aren't perfect by any means, but they kind of help you figure out, all right, which ones of these might be part of, of what God has gifted me with. So I'm going to teach kind of more for a few minutes here, and then, um, and then we'll kind of talk about what all this means. But I, I, if you take this test, it may help you realize why you're so fulfilled in your occupation— or it might make you realize why you hate your job so much. Because you might be doing something that's just not in your spiritual gifts. Well, the first one that Paul lists in, in our text today is wisdom. And wisdom, wisdom often comes from experience. But wisdom is also given as a spiritual gift. And we can't think of wisdom as knowing everything. But, and we know that the Old Testament says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, wisdom starts when we recognize that we can't know everything. That's a wise thing, right? When you can just accept that, hey, I don't know everything, and that's okay. People that have the spiritual gift of wisdom are those people that can calm in the chaos and think rationally despite the situation. You probably have people like that in your life. People like that, that when something happens or things get stressful, you call that person and you just say, I need some wisdom. And they just, they can offer it. They don't know everything, but they're just, they're wise. The second one that Paul mentions is knowledge. And I think we all know this, that some people can just take in information better than others. Um, If you did Bible quizzing, you know that there was that maybe that kid in your church or on your district that just like memorized everything and just knocked it out of the park and it was just annoying. If you didn't do Bible quizzing, you know that kid at school that never had to take anything home because they could do all their homework at school. They just remembered everything the teachers, and they, they got everything right. But it's not that if you have the, the spiritual gift of knowledge, again, it's not that you know everything, but you can, however, seem to learn and pick up things faster than others. And you have the ability to recall those things fairly well, even if it was a long time ago. You know, some people can say, you know, oh, I read a book 20 years ago about this and just rattle it off and remember what it is or, or how, to, how to work fix the problem. The third one, and I'm moving kind of quick because there's several and, and I, don't, I know we don't need to be here forever, but the third one is faith. And you might have the spiritual gift of faith if you never really find yourself questioning God. The world could be falling apart around you. Everything could be going wrong, but you know... For one, one thing you do know is that God is present and that God is taking care of you and that, that you know that God is not just up in heaven just casting all these things down upon you. You don't really find it difficult to believe scripture. You know, some people can read scripture and just be like, how could Jesus walk out of the tomb? Other people can just read it and go, oh, Jesus walked out of the tomb. God resurrected him. Got it. Easy. Done. Fact. And and you don't find it difficult to believe in miracles. When when you read the stories of Jesus and, you know, turning water into wine, you think, hey, he's God. Sure. Or when that doctor's report comes from your friend that you've been praying for, and they say, yeah, that cancer we were going to operate on, it's not there anymore. For, For the people with the spiritual gift of faith, it's easy to say, Praise the Lord. Prayer was answered. God has healed. You know that you can't explain these things, but you're okay with that. You just have faith. And that really is a gift. Us people that might not have that gift, uh, it's kind of annoying that you can do that sometimes because it's just hard sometimes to have faith. But some of you, it's just a gift. And I've seen it in your lives. Some of you just... You know. You know that you know. Next is healing. The spiritual gift of healing is one that we see the apostles have in the book of Acts. Jesus tells them to go out and heal the sick, and they do it. And this isn't a spiritual gift where I think that just, you know, in the same way that the woman touched the hem of Jesus' robe and was healed... I'm not saying that the people with this gift just, you know, everyone should just line up at their door and and pay the fee and get healed. But there are people, and I think this goes hand in hand with that gift of faith, is that they just firmly believe that God is still working. And that God can intervene. And that, hey, let's lay hands on the sick and pray for healing. The next one is prophecy. And I know that I mentioned this, numerous times, but we can't just think of pro- somebody with the gift of prophecy as somebody that knows the future, that just falls asleep at night, God shows them everything that's about to come, and they wake up and they tell everyone. That, that's not really what this gift is talking about. But prophecy is being a mouthpiece of God. People with this gift of prophecy are, are open and listen for how God wants to move, act, and speak. People with this gift are often able to speak up in situations. These are the people that can step in and say, Hey, something's gotta change here. God is not happy. Or that step in and say, Why are you thinking of quitting? Keep going. The measuring stick for prophecy is always scripture. You see, God is not going to tell someone something today that's against the word of the Lord, as we affirmed, that we have affirmed for the last several centuries. If somebody is walking around claiming to be a prophet but they're saying things contrary to Scripture, don't listen. (laughs) Scripture is our measuring stick for prophecy. And if somebody says, hey, God told me to tell you this, just check it with Scripture. If they're telling you something that goes against the word of the Lord as we have it, then then know that that's, that's not of the Lord. Discernment. This is a spiritual gift that I I have in some senses, but not as strong as some people. People with this gift can walk away from a situation, and they usually say one of two things. They say, oh, I had a good feeling about that. Or they say, yeah, I had a really bad feeling about that. The people with this gift can usually tell if someone is genuine or lying through their teeth. I seem to always give people the benefit of the doubt, but most of the time... But, but for people with discernment, that can be difficult because they always get some kind of sense. They always kind of sense the Holy Spirit's prompting, prompting in circumstance. People with this gift can also be helpful when making important decisions. If you know someone who has wisdom and discernment, both as spiritual gifts, that's the person that I would call when a big decision needs made. When you're decide, deciding to take the job or not, if you're deciding to sell or not, to move or not, find people like that. Find people that just are wise and discern well. And not, not that they always know what's right, but people with discernment usually know the right questions to ask. To help you th- process and think through, and so that you can discern well the situation. Tongues and interpretation of tongues, we're going to put these two together. Uh, the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues, they really are, they go hand in hand. And in our tradition, we believe that if someone has the gift of tongues, that the gift would and was going to be used in public, there needs to be an interpreter present so that, that other people can know what's being said. There are also traditions that believe that tongues are the only evidence. The only way you know if somebody has the Holy Spirit is if they can speak in tongues. But we don't believe that. We believe that all of these gifts that we're working through right now are evidence of the Holy Spirit. While we don't see this practiced in the church of the Nazarene very frequently, we do believe that this is a gift of the Spirit. Another aspect of these two gifts was shown by a friend of mine. His name's Isaac. And Isaac spent his summers in, in different countries while we were at Trevecca. And then he spent a whole semester in Poland. Well, Isaac, he's one of those people that can just kind of frustrate you because Isaac can go into an area that speaks a different language and he's one of those people that in like two weeks he's already got all the basics like he's just and and by like one week he knows and kind of pretty much pick up what everybody's saying and then within like a month he's just speaking it and it's just frustrating but I do believe that that's a gift because there are so many people that need to hear the word of the Lord that don't speak English or speak whatever your native tongue is. And so I think that it is a gift to be able to pick up on different tongues and languages and to be able to translate and to be able to step into that. And then later on in this chapter, Paul adds a few more spiritual gifts. He adds the gift of helps, the gift of guidance, uh, and the gift of guidance, or as some call it, administration. Helps, the gift of help is such a body of Christ. We all know someone we can call, and it seems like they're always willing to help even if they have never dealt with that issue before. The person with this gift lends a hand that allows the other person to continue to live into their gift and get back to it more more quickly and be engaged within ministry. And then administration. If you've ever been part of an organization, you know how critical administration is. Without this gift, the body of Christ would simply be a mess. Think about schools. Sometimes school systems just get a bad rep. And when you go in and you meet teachers and faculty and staff and office people, you're like, what? These are great people. Why, why is this place getting a bad rep? And sometimes it's just the administration. It's just the way that things are handled and gone about that has given them a bad reputation. People with this gift, they help the body of Christ get things done. And they help it, the body get things done in an orderly fashion. Well, I just flew through those in about 10 minutes, and and maybe one stood out, or you kind of thought, yeah, maybe that's me. The best way to do this is to either take the test, or call your best friend, or your spouse, and say, hey, what do you think my spiritual gifts are? Because a lot of times, other people can see it in us before we can recall it on our own. All right, so now that we've been through all those, uh, I'll... I'll start sermon number five today. And, but it's new year, and we all just went through the season of giving and receiving gifts, and sometimes super special gifts that we're just stoked about. I remember as a kid receiving my very first drum set, and I was over the moon. And obviously, it was important, because I'm still doing it. Nothing could have been better. But it was Christmas Eve, and Lauren and I were in our rooms trying to force ourselves to go to sleep. But I kept hearing it. It was, it was difficult to go to sleep that Christmas Eve, especially because I kept hearing a noise. You see, we had a basement. And from the basement, I kept hearing... <coughs> well, wouldn't you know it, that my parents had bought us a ping-pong table from a local resale store. And when they took us to the basement the next morning to see the table, I immediately said, that's what those noises were. My my grandparents had come over to help them haul the ping-pong table to the basement, and then on Christmas Eve, they were down there playing (laughs) ping-pong. And it was already a used table. I mean, it wasn't like it was sad that we weren't the first ones to use it, but it was just like, come on. We're upstairs, you know, air vents and everything. It all travels. We heard it. But I didn't guess it was a ping pong table. Then there are the gifts that you get from your in-laws that you just kind of have to act like you're excited about. And I'm kind of glad that I'm not talking from experience. My in-laws always give gift cards. So this is not a a personal story. But, you know, that ugly tablecloth or that framed picture of the family before you lost all that weight. (laughs) These gifts... They, they somehow seem to find their way into the back of the closet rather quickly after the in laws leave. Until that is, they're headed back to town. Then you open the closet and you reach in the back and you get out the pledge and you spray the pledge on it and you wipe it down and you hang the picture up and the in laws walk in the front door. And you just smile. I once heard uh, the, do you know the difference between in laws and outlaws? Outlaws are wanted. Just, just a good, clean, clean joke there. But, so you, you, hang, you hang up the picture, or you get out the tablecloth that you just hate, but the in-laws are coming, and you know it's short-term, and so you, you put it out. You can bear it because it's temporary. You know that they'll be gone by the end of the weekend, and that terrible gift can go back in the closet for six more months. Our spiritual gifts are not just some gift that we can put away and ignore. The giver of spiritual gifts is always present. We can't just put them in the closet. Say, wow, God, thank you for this gift. But I'm just going to stick it back here. We'll get it out later. We'll dust it off, make it look real good, you know. Maybe when Easter comes around or something, we'll we'll, we'll start using that spiritual gift. Because the giver is always present. You can't hide it. <laughs> you can't put it away. If you don't know what your gifts are, I encourage you to be in prayer about them and take a few of those tests maybe. If you need a printed test again, I can get you one. But when you use your gifts in the way that God intended you, you're not just helping our church. You are helping the universal church, the body of Christ. The churches down the road are not a comp- our competition, but they are our teammates. And by you not using your gifts, you're not just hindering what God wants to do here, but you're hindering what God is doing in the church universal. You know, there's an old saying around the church that says that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And sadly, that's true no matter how large your church is. Even the biggest of big churches, 20% of their people are, are doing all the work and effort. But imagine how much we could accomplish as the people of God if we had 80% of our people using their spiritual gifts for the work of the Lord. And, and I, I, I hope that this has helped you see that spiritual gifts are not just preaching, teaching, evangelism, singing. Because I think a lot of times we, you, you sit and you think, oh, I'm not, a, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, and I sure can't sing, so... The church better not, not, what am I going to do? But you have a gift, and you're a part of this body. And so we need to figure it out. If we're doing ministries that we're just forcing, and we don't have anybody that is gifted in those ways, maybe we stop those, and we start doing things that that match the gifts that God has given us. I could have sat at my drum set when I first got it, And sat there and tried to strum it like a guitar. But it wouldn't have worked. It's not what it is. It's not what the gift is for. I I hope that that you can see that the fact that you have a gift. Means so much to who we are as the people of God. And next week we're going to keep going deeper into spiritual gifts. So if you feel like this was a fast forward sermon. It kind of was. But next week we're going to continue on this. Digging into into um, spiritual gifts, and again, uh, we're going to have every ministry and department have an opportunity to to talk about their ministry, and then we're going to have tables set up in the foyer where you can stop by and, and talk to some ministry leaders about, "Hey, if you know, I have this gift of faith. I really think that faith is my spiritual gift. How could that be used in children's ministry?" How could that be used at the thrift store? How how could that be used in a Sunday school class? And, And we don't have to have the answer right away. But we need to be seeking it out and praying and looking because we are a gifted people. I mean, you guys know how gifted this is musically. And we see that every week. But I think this church is gifted in so many other things that we're not taking advantage of. We're not leaning into So I ask that this week you you search yourself. There's a place for each spiritual gift to plug into what God is doing in our church. We're not asking you to start a ministry and run it. What we are asking is that you be faithful to to how God wants to use you. And if you need to meet with me and kind of hash this out, I don't have all the answers, but we can talk about it for sure. If you say, Ryan, I don't really know what in the world my spiritual gift is. Let's talk about it. Call me. Let's have lunch. Try to help earn what that is. And I believe that when a church is acting in their gifts, that God is pleased. And that's ultimately our goal, is that God would look at us and be pleased with all that has gone on and all that we are doing. So today... um, I do want to ask if, if well, not really to, to have you confess it or anything, but I hope that some of you took time last week to embrace the challenge of fasting this week. Um, in fact, I got the report this morning on my phone that showed that my screen time was down 32% this week. And you know what that told me? That means that 33% of the time that I was on my phone previously, it was for things that didn't matter. So I hope that you took some time this week to fast, whether it was social media or some kind of food that you were, or whatever, and that you began to ask yourself, God, who do I need to love? Because I think we can identify who we need to love, and we can identify what our gifting is. I think we're going to see that those two things come together beautifully. So if you, if you didn't fast this week, I encourage you to do it this week as you look into your spiritual gifts. Um, and, and next week, we'll, we'll keep digging as, as you've had time to kind of think about, pray about, and, and look at what your spiritual gifts are. Well, I, I want to pray for us today that God would show us what our gifts are. Um, and then Pastor Cassie's going to close and challenge us today. Father, we, we thank you for the celebration that has been today, Lord, from communion. To the children, to wonderful time of singing. Lord, for the way that your spirit has been here and in our midst and calling us into newness, we ask that we would be up to that newness today. Father, we ask that you would help us this week discern what our gifts are, what are our spiritual gifts and, and how you might be calling us to use those to serve to serve your church. Not not just Gainesville Church of the Nazarene, but what that looks like in our neighborhoods, what that looks like in our community. What what does it look like um, to to have the gift of faith or the gift of administration. And, and, and how can we use that to glorify you. And not just stick it in the closet. But to use it. Father I, I pray for those that, that feel unworthy today. That question if you've even gifted them with anything. Lord we, we ask that you would minister to them in a special way this week. And help them to see that they are gifted. And, and that it might not be in the way that they thought. Or that they even want. But that you've gifted them in a special way with these, with some of these spiritual gifts. So Father, again today we just ask that, that you would open our hearts to what is to come, and help us as a church to ask who do we need to love, look at our gifts, and then put it into action. We thank you for all that you're doing, and all that you will do, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.